from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. There is work to also suggest that uh, having experiencing a family member incarcerated can lead to um, thinking about social change and being parts of parts of uh, social movements and change. Our work shows that there are these negative impacts um, and that we, we should be paying attention to women more. We should be centering them in these conversations more. If we were able to reduce uh, mass incarceration, we would see a reduction in sort of negative outcomes for these same families. I'm Sarah Fenske. It was just about 50 years ago that the rate of incarceration in the U.S. began to rise sharply. These days, this country has more people behind bars than any other nation in the world. A new review published in the journal Science seeks to survey the impact of that incarceration. It goes beyond the 2.1 million Americans in prison to look at the collateral damage, their family members on the outside. The review was co-authored by Hedwig Lee of Washington University and Christopher Wildman of Duke University. And Hedwig Lee joins us today to tell us more about it. She is a professor of sociology at Washington University and also the associate director of the Center for the Study of Race, Ethnicity, and Equity at WashU. Hedwig, welcome. Hi. So in this review, you're not looking so much at how incarceration affects the individual who's incarcerated. You're looking at the family members, the people who are left behind. What drew you to look at that in particular? Um, I think for I think there are a lot of reasons. One is, uh, for those of us who've been studying mass incarceration for a long time, we know that when individuals go on the inside, that they leave behind family members, uh, often uh, women and children, who are holding things down. They're the ones who are making sure that individuals on the inside are, are getting the things they need in terms of money uh, for commissary, making sure women are bringing their kids to stay connected to family members who are incarcerated, and also managing lots of, uh, uh, in, lots of um, sort of uh, economic uh, consequences and instability that comes when a family member is put behind bars. Uh, and while we knew that was happening, there wasn't any research focusing on those individuals and families, although we knew that they were being impacted in terms of their health and other forms of well-being. And we should note, in this review, you looked specifically at the families of men who'd been incarcerated. Why did you go that route? Yeah, so we, we didn't just focus on men. Um, we, most of the research, though, does. And the reason that's the case is there's a much larger population of uh, in men that are in prison than women. We, there is an increase of women who are um, incarcerated, but the vast majority are men. So most of the research that has been done tends to focus uh, on women uh, because they're the ones who are often the ones that are left behind. But the empirical work that we review also uh, also includes uh, family members who have women family members that are in prison as well or jail. And so when you were looking at these studies that look at family members, were there a lot of studies to draw on? Yeah, so there's, I mean, so I, so I, along with Chris Wildeman, do research in this area. So we've published a lot of work in this area. And there are many studies, hundreds, in fact, that are um, documenting the negative health, emotional, and economic consequences of having a family member behind bars. 
using data sources from government data sources to survey data that's been collected, and also people who interview individuals who have family members behind bars. So there is a a large body of research um, to show that we really need to be thinking about the community and family members who are also impacted by incarceration, also being punished um, by, you know, by experiences and inequalities that come from, stem from having a family member incarcerated. So we heard from State Representative Kevin Windham um, when he heard we were going to be discussing this on today's show. He writes on Twitter, as a teenager, my world flipped upside down when my father went to federal prison. I became despondent and hardened, eventually stumbling to regain my footing in life and realizing a new passion for public policy. To be honest, I still struggle with that experience on a smaller scale. So there's a voice of somebody directly affected. And and Hedwig, I'm, I'm curious to hear more about what you found in this review about some of the ways that children are affected by having their father go to prison. Yeah, um, so what I, I thought was, you know, that was really a powerful um, message uh, that was written about an experience, and I think it echoes lots of experiences that, that, that children have uh, when a family member goes behind bars, uh, and the research, you know, bears that out as well. We know uh, when, kids, when kids are experiencing um, or the loss of a family member through incarceration, this can impact them emotionally. Their mental health can be compromised. This, this can also uh, impact their physical health, um, often because they're experiencing the stress or loss of a family member that might impact sort of their health behaviors. And we also know just practically when a family member goes behind bars, that means often that uh, a child has less social, social support from a, from a parent. It also means that they have less income um, that, that is needed to, to keep uh, and maintain family uh, stability. Um, and those things can also have impacts on health and well-being. And there's also research to suggest uh, that children who have incarcerated parents might uh, face discrimination by teachers in the classroom, which can impact their educational outcomes. And interestingly, um, we don't talk about this in our review, but there is work to also suggest that uh, having experiencing a family member incarcerated can lead to um, thinking about social change and being parts of parts of uh, social movements and change too. So it was interesting to hear that part too. Hmm. It sparks, you know, thinking about injustice in a different way as well. That is interesting. So it maybe exposes people to some realities in, in a way that they may be more eager to to work for change than kids who have an easier life. Yeah, and, and there's other, I think there's other um, great, you know, leaders who, Stacey Abrams talks about her brother's incarceration as also an impetus for, for her um, getting into public office. Uh, Danielle Allen uh, discusses this as well in, in a book about her cousin being incarcerated. So I think it's an important narrative to think about, too, uh, so, in these conversations. So we talked a bit about the impact on kids. What about the impact on women who see their partner go to prison? Um, what do the studies show about that? Yeah, um, and so I'll say, so it, it shows a lot of things. One, for women, I think this is a particularly challenging because women are often not um, talked about as much in the research research or even in um, sort of conversations that happen in the media. Uh, women are the ones who are often taking care of the kids, um, also taking care of the, the partner that's behind bars. They're the ones who, who are sacrificing their own health at times to make sure that their kids are healthy and fed um, and also to uh, make sure that they're, being are able to be connected to their um, parents who might be behind bars. Um, and so our research shows that women have lots of sort of neg- negative impacts from having an incarcerated family member, especially to their health, because they're sort of foregoing their own care. 
And, and this makes sense because in, we live in a society where women are often seen as the default caregiver. So these are conversations that could be had in other forms of family relationships. Um, but we don't talk about them at all. And so I, our work shows that there are these negative impacts um, and that we, we should be paying attention to women more. We should be centering them in these conversations more. And it's not just um, romantic partners. We're also talking about grandmothers uh, who are often doing a lot of care work for grandchildren when their um, children might go behind bars and sisters and, and, and other um, women family members. But they, they, they are in charge of the kin keeping and then usually um, this, they're doing it um, and not prioritizing themselves often. Hmm. Now, in some situations, you may have a man who's going to prison um, who has been in a violent situation with the family. I'm wondering, in that case, is that maybe a different effect where the family finds itself better off without that man around? Um, So I think, you know, we talk about this in the review. I think, you know, sort of a nuanced answer to this Yeah, there are definitely situations where individuals are being removed from a household for safety issues, and and that 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 is for sure. I mean, I think the question is um, what what happens next, right? And and is that good for families? So there are different ways that we can address, um, uh, you know, when we're trying to address harms that are happening to families, uh, we need to do so in ways that are are not going to amplify or create further harm. So, uh, okay, a family member has been removed. Are there supports now to help? Um, the, the mother who's left behind to be able to financially support her kids, other supports to um, allow her kids to, um, to, to have safe connections with the parent who's been removed. What are the, what's happening to the parent? Uh, what are their experiences? Are, are they actually going to be in a setting that's going to improve outcomes for them um, so that they can uh, reintegrate and, uh, in, in a healthy way? Oftentimes we're talking about people who have maybe severe mental health issues that need to be addressed. So, so yes, yes, there are situations for sure where, where people, um, it, it's better for a family member to be removed. But the question is, what happens next to, to protect families and help them to thrive, you know, post that? So looking at the bigger picture here, the impact that incarceration has on these families, I'm sure some people just hearing um, just the overview of this would say, these are families that had trouble before this. Um, You know, we know that people who end up in prison are more likely to be in environments where, uh, you know, there's things they struggle with even before they're sent away. How do we know the incarceration led to some of these problems that you're suggesting instead of these problems being things that lead to the incarceration? Yeah, so in our review, we talk about this as well. And it is true that um, lots of families are facing challenges prior to their family member um, becoming incarcerated. But research using, I would say, you know, some pretty sophisticated modeling techniques um, to try to identify causal associations, work that's using cross-comparative data across countries, uh, even suggests that um, the experience of having a family member incarcerated further amplifies, um, you know, uh, these these um, sort of challenges that families face. So there's ways in which inequality is further amplified. It is it is some. If we were able to reduce uh, mass incarceration, we would see a reduction in sort of negative outcomes for these same families. So while th- both could be true, so yes, um, and I, I'd love to talk about that more too in, in terms of thinking about you know, what matters for reducing incarceration in general. Yes, these families are facing lots of disadvantages 
um, from the beginning, but things get even worse um, once that family member goes behind bars. Hmm. So mentioned earlier this number, 2.1 million people who are in prison in the U.S. Have we seen incarceration rates finally begin to fall in recent years? Yeah, so we have seen um, we have seen uh, reductions uh, in in incarceration through some changes in policies, um, but it's not it's not as strong as a, it's not as uh, big of a drop as, as 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 many would want to see. You know, based on discussions of trying to reduce uh, incarceration in the first place, and so you know we talk about this in our review as well. Um, and we also have to think about um, while we've seen reductions um, in incarceration. We've also seen upticks in other forms of, um, uh, you know, criminal legal contact, uh, like in probation and parole. And we've also seen, um, we've also still seen, we're also still seeing this sort of rise in women's connections to the criminal legal system. So, yes, things are looking better in terms of we, we are, we are, we're incarcerating less people, um, but we still have issues um, that we have to address to make, to make things even, to, to make these reductions even even bigger so that we are no longer exceptional because you started the, you know, the session discussing that we are still exceptionally high in terms of how we incarcerate in the U.S. despite these decreases. So in this review, you offer some, uh, quote, family-friendly criminal justice interventions. What is one yeah. that you'd point to as, as something that you see as very promising? Yeah, I mean, so I will say that um, I, I this part of the um, review is probably the most challenging because um, oftentimes when we think about uh, policies for uh, criminal justice interventions, we, we think about what can the criminal justice system do. And I do think that there are really um, some important interventions that we can think about. Um, I, you know, I work with um, Missouri Appleseed and Liza Weiss, who directs that, and, we, and she um, uh, and I and others have been working on um, thinking about alternative sentencing practices for individuals who um, are connected or taking care of loved ones, whether they're children or other family members. And so we, I think that those are things that we should consider and think about because oftentimes we should try to keep families together as much as we can. And are there ways that we can, um, you know, we can, we can uh, have sentencing practices that can allow for that. Um, but I think on a larger scale, you know, I think we have to look beyond the criminal justice system um, as the intervener. I think if we were able to do things like reduce uh, racial residential segregation, improve school outcomes that are the result of um, uh, that are often schools are poor schools are the result of having segregation, et cetera. We know that is the case in our city. We are we are highly segregated. Um, if we did those kinds of things too, and we focused on those, those would actually be policies that would improve outcomes for families, um, reduce people's connections with the criminal justice system in the first place. And so, I want to focus on these, uh, you know, important policies and changes like the great things that Missouri Appleseed is doing. Um, but I also think we cannot forget that the, you know, mass incarceration doesn't come from, you know, out of the blue. We mass incarcerate because we have lots of other kinds of inequalities that we don't address in our, in our country and in our city and in our state. Well, Hedwig Lee, thank you so much for joining us today and, and sharing about this work. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. This episode was produced by Laura Hamden with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr and production assistance from Jane Mather Glass. It was mixed and edited by Jane. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio.
understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.